This morning, we're continuing on with our sermon series, Questions for God. This developed from the questions that you all submitted, and Dr. Long and I had a fun time sitting down and going through them, reading them, and studying and preparing for these seven sermons. Today, we are looking at the question, does God love unconditionally? Now, initially, I thought that this could be the shortest and the easiest sermon of the bunch, Does God love unconditionally? Yes, you're done. But, of course, the question itself goes much deeper than that, and it's far more personal. Really, the question that each one of us has is, does God love me unconditionally, and how can I know? God's love isn't meant to be hidden from us. Last week, we talked about the question, what is the will of God? And I said God's will was never meant to be hidden or kept secret from us. And I said that God's will is is for all of us to grow in love and knowledge of God and one another. And we are to live that in our lives in such a way that it becomes evident for all the world to see. That the way we live our lives reveals God's will to the world. Well, it's much the same with today's question. God's love for us wasn't meant to be a secret. In fact, we are supposed to be so confident of God's love for us that the very way we live that reveals God's love to the world. That people can see God's love for them by the way we live our lives. Now, there are countless examples of God's love in Scripture and in the world around us. And yet sometimes we still struggle with whether or not God has that kind of love for each of us individually. Today is Father's Day. Can you imagine a father who wouldn't want his children to know his love for them? That he would want to keep them in the dark or keep it hidden from them? Keep them guessing and wondering and fearful? That's abusive. Children who don't have a secure knowledge of their parents' love for them grow up with all kinds of obstacles that they have to overcome. And yet, we still sometimes approach God this way, wondering and doubting about God's love for us. God loves each of us, and there are examples in scriptures, but more importantly, there are scriptures that tell us not only that God loves us, but how we are to respond Because God loves us, we are called to love one another. Because God is love and we live in God, our lives should make God's love manifest to the world. Now, Christ came and lived among us that we might know God's love um, for all of us. And God has an unconditional love, a, a love without limits, without barriers, Christ is the ultimate expression of that love. But we can find other expressions of God's love. When we look in the world around us, we can see unconditional love and examples of that. One of those examples happened about a year and a half ago. It was the Minnesota State Wrestling Championship. And Malik Stewart had been waiting for this moment almost his whole life He'd been wrestling all these many years and been training and preparing, and he wanted to be the state champion. But of course, so did his opponent. 
His opponent was Mitchell McKee. And maybe that day he had a little bit more reason to want to win because Mitchell's father, Scott McKee, was dying. He had been diagnosed the year before with a rare and particularly aggressive form of cancer. And so more than anything, Mitchell wanted to win the state championship for his father. And maybe that was what gave him the extra edge because a minute and a half into the match, he pinned Malik and he won the match. Afterwards, as you can imagine, Malik was very upset and distraught. He said that he even started to tear up. But then he thought about Mitchell and all that he was going through. And so he went over and he congratulated his opponent and shook his hand. And then he embraced him. And he told him to stay strong. And he said that everyone loved him. He went over and congratulated and shook the hands of Mitchell's coaches. And then because he knew Mitchell's story, he went and found Mitchell's father in the stands. Mitch's father was weak, but he had made it to this tournament, and Malik went up to him and just embraced him and told him congratulations for his son and told him that he'd be praying for him. Later, Malik would say that he would understand how Mitchell was feeling because he himself had lost his own father when he was just four years old. So for Malik... He could live out his love for his father by showing compassion to others. He remembered his father's love by how he treated others. And the same is true for us. We can look for examples of God's love in the world, and we can reflect that love by the way we treat one another. Now, today's scripture is a very familiar passage Often, it's called the story of the prodigal son. But really, the whole passage is a larger story, and it talks about two sons. And that particular story is a vignette of three different stories that Jesus told. He was in an area where the religious leaders, the scribes and the Pharisees, were criticizing him for spending too much time with sinners. And so Jesus tells three stories to help them and everyone know how God loves people, the sinners and all people. He tells three stories about people who have lost something that's very valuable to them. And in the first two stories, Jesus tells it from the perspective that his audience hears it from the, uh, the one who lost something, their point of view. And so Jesus tells a story about a man who had 100 sheep, but one went off and was lost. And so he puts it on his audience. Which one of you, if you lost a sheep, wouldn't go searching? You would leave the 99 behind and you would go and look everywhere until you found that lost sheep. And when you found it, you would celebrate and rejoice and call your family and friends and let them know of of your good fortune. And then he closed that story by saying, And likewise, your Father in heaven rejoices more over one sinner who repents than over 99 who didn't need to. And then he goes into the next story. And again, he has them identify with the person who lost something valuable. 
He says, which one of you, if you had 10 coins and you lost one, wouldn't turn the house upside down to find that coin? And when you did, wouldn't you rejoice? You'd celebrate and you'd tell everyone about that you found your lost coin? And then he reminded them that that's the way God rejoices in heaven when someone returns and repents. But in the third story, he changes He does not have them identify with the father. He has them identify with one of the two sons. He starts it off differently. A man has two sons. And nowhere in this story does he say, which one of you would go out looking? He doesn't have it that way. He has them identify with one of the two sons. And the reason is that for the first two stories, when they identify with the person who's lost something, they're identifying with the heart of God. That God is pursuing something that's so valuable to God. And now when they come to the last story and they are, from the point of view, listening as one of the sons, they understand the heart of the father that's pursuing them. And that is the heart of God. God's unconditional love is always pursuing us and wanting to remind us so that we can be confident of God's love each and every day. I think there are three things that can help us to live that in our lives. First of all, how can we know of God's unconditional love? It's important that we remember the Father's goodness. In this story, when Jesus is talking about the prodigal or the younger son, he talks about this young man who goes to his father. And he says, Father, I want my inheritance. I want my share now. Basically, what he's saying, I can't wait any longer for you to die. I want the money now. Now, in those times, there were special allowances where somebody could get their share of inheritance early. In the case of a wedding or something extraordinary, but that's not what's happening here. It's very clear that this man wants his money, and he wants to get as far away from his father as possible. And so this is the most disrespectful thing that you can do to a Jewish father. He's given his money, and he goes off to live in a foreign land. And there he lives the good life and squanders it all in kind of wild living. And then a famine hits, and he has nothing left. He becomes so desperate that he takes a job feeding and caring for the pigs. Now, remember, in the Jewish faith, in the Mosaic law, not only could you not eat pork, but you couldn't touch pigs. You couldn't have anything to do with them. And so for the Pharisees and the scribes who had been ridiculing Jesus for spending too much time with sinners, when he's telling them this story, he's telling them about the king of all sinners. They know that this man disrespected and dishonored his father. He abandoned his family. He lost his money and his inheritance, his birthright, by wild living. And then he disregarded his faith. And Jesus tells them about the Father's love for this man. In the lowest point of his life, it says that this young man came to himself. And in that moment, what happens, he remembers his Father's goodness. He says, How many of my hired servants of my father's had food and food enough to spare? 
In other words, my father is so good to his hired staff that they have an abundance of everything they need. My father is that good and compassionate. And remembering his father's goodness is what gives him the courage that he can return home. Now, at that point, he's not yet thinking himself worthy to be a son any longer to his father. He feels like he has squanders his inheritance. Basically, he has abandoned his family. But he knows his father is so good and loving that he will accept him back as a hired hand. When we want to be confident of God's unconditional love, we need to remember our Heavenly Father's goodness. We need to remember the things that God has done in our lives and in the world around us. We can remember acts of kindness and ways that people show that in everyday life. A few weeks ago, we were in the middle of graduation season. And on May 15th was the day that Dakota Smith had been looking forward to. It was his high school graduation. But on that very morning, in the early hours, his father, who was a deputy sheriff, was tragically killed in the line of duty. That news spread, and a local news reporter heard about it, and she started contacting law enforcement agencies, telling them about Dakota's graduation that very night. Well, that evening, Dakota summoned the strength to go to his high school graduation. And when he did, the services began, and one by one, every teacher and staff member of his school came up to his mother and gave her a rose. All of the students were wearing ribbons in honor of Dakota and his father. And then the moment came when Dakota's name was called and he crossed the stage and everyone in the auditorium stood up. But perhaps the most meaningful thing of all is that a large crowd of police officers had come for that moment. And they stood and saluted. And they stood there in in the place of Dakota's father, who would have given anything to be there for his son. Now, a lot of these men didn't know Dakota personally. Some of them didn't know his father. But unconditional love doesn't have barriers or limits or it has no requirements. And so Dakota could look at these men's compassion and he could remember his father's love. He could look at their their gift to him and his family, and he felt confident in his own father's love for him. When we want to remember God's unconditional love, we can look around in the world because God is the source of all love. And when we see examples of God's love for others, we are reminded of God's goodness and love for us and for all the world. Second, how can we be sure of God's unconditional love for us personally? I think it's important for us to remember in those moments how God comes after us and pursues us. In all of the stories that Jesus told to the Pharisees and scribes, he has somebody who's looking for what's valuable. He has the shepherd going out looking until he finds the lost sheep. He has the woman who's lost a coin going out looking and and turning her house upside down to find that coin. And then he has the father looking for his sons. The prodigal son, the younger son, 
comes to himself and he realizes his father's goodness and he decides to head home. Now, he rehearses his apology speech. He starts practicing it beforehand. Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be your son. Treat me as one of your hired hands. And on the way home, he's reciting that. And his father sees him from a long way off. In other words, the father had been watching and looking for him. And Jesus says that the father ran to him and embraced him. Now, the son starts in his speech. Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father interrupts him and calls for a robe to be put on him, the best robe, and a ring to be put on his finger. Because these are the symbols of his sonship, that he is his son. He's not a hired hand. This is his son who has come home. Now, one of the interesting things in this passage is that Jesus said that this man, this father, ran and embraced his son. In that culture, it was considered uh, demeaning uh, for a man, a grown man, to run. That was embarrassing. And so what Jesus is saying, that this father threw aside all propriety and cast that off because he was so eager and excited to get to his son. Can you imagine how the people listening to that story heard it? That they were seeing this father run to his son. Maybe he was angry at first, and then they realized that he is calling him his son, and this is God's heart for all of us. When you want to remember God's love for you, look for the ways that God pursues you, or God shows and reveals God's love in the world. When I was in high school, I was very, very shy. And like a lot of teenagers, I was pretty insecure. But I had band, and I loved band. But let's be honest, band is not exactly the highest rung on the social ladder. And so I wasn't popular, I wasn't in the in crowd, but that was okay because I had all my friends in band. And we had an exceptional program. We had great band directors. They were two men, and they were men of faith. And they taught us to give our very best, to work hard, to be people of integrity, and to find joy in life. And so these two men were people that we all admired and we respected and and we just thought the world of them. The day finally came for my high school graduation, and it was at the Myriad. We were a fairly large class, and our student, graduating student body took up mainly the floor of the arena. Now, I was very nervous about the process, because what would happen is they would take one row at a time, and you would stand at the edge of the stage, and then as your name was called, one by one, you would cross over, and you would be allowed the whole stage by yourself. I can't imagine how long that took. But it meant that for a while, you had some people with you. But for the rest of the way, you walked around the entire student body to get back to your seat. You were by yourself walking in front of the whole arena. Or at least that's what I felt like. Now, I was glad because the band was there. And both of the band directors that I respected were there. One was conducting and one was seated beside him. And my turn finally came. They called my name. And I made it up the stairs and across the stage and down the other side. 
And I was getting to that first corner of the student body when there was a group of, of boys that were seated together, and they were trying to get my attention. And they loudly whispered, your slip is showing. And I was mortified. I tried to fix everything. I was trying to be discreet, and my heart was pounding. I was so embarrassed. And I walked on by, and just as I did, I heard them say to the next girl the same thing. It was their joke to tell every single girl that her slip was showing and then laugh at how funny it was that she would try to fix everything as discreetly as possible. I finally could kind of breathe again once I discovered it was a joke, and I rounded the back edge of the student body, and I came for the, the, the last stretch. And it was nice because I was walking to the band, and I saw my band directors and all my friends up there. But then the band director, who wasn't conducting, he stood up, and he started clapping for me. And he started walking toward me. And when he got to me, he embraced me. And I have to tell you, that was the most special moment of my entire graduation. I'm sure he probably did that for all the graduating band seniors, but that moment was incredible for me. I don't remember so much how I felt crossing the stage. I don't even remember the faces of the boys who were joking. I do remember, I remember it physically, the joy I felt when I saw my band director, this man that I respected and admired, walking to me and giving me a big hug. That's a very simple gesture. And yet I can tell you that I felt the grace of God in that moment. Look for those grace moments for how God is pursuing you and reminding you that you are loved. And third, how can we have assurance of God's unconditional love? It's important that we join in on God's love for others. Have you ever been around a child who's uncertain that their parents love them? They will do anything to earn or win their parents' affection. All of their fear and focus is on themselves. They can't focus on anything else or anyone else. And the same thing happens as Christians. If we are constantly worried about God's love for us, we're only focused on ourselves and we have no concern for others. And that's why God wants us to be confident in the love that he has for us. John Wesley taught about assurance, and he would preach often from Romans, especially Romans 8, 16, where he would say that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, bears witness to our spirit that we are the children of God. God is constantly reminding us, whispering to us that we are the daughters and sons of God. Why? One, because any loving parent wants their children to know that they are loved, but two, so that we can also focus on others. If you want to experience great joy in life, join in when your Heavenly Father is caring for someone else. In the scripture passage, there is another son. It's probably the son that the scribes and the Pharisees can identify with because this is the good son. He stayed behind. He's always done the right thing. He stayed with his father and did everything the father wanted. 
And so when he hears that his wayward brother has come home and they've thrown a party for him, he loses it. He's furious and he refuses to take part. And so look what happens. The father goes out after him. A lot of times we make the elder brother the bad guy in the story, but we don't get that from the father's reaction. The father goes out after him and implores him to come in to the celebration. Well, this son is mad. He's mad at his father, and he says, when this son of yours, he can't even identify him as his brother, when this son of yours, who has squandered your life and living in wild women, when he comes home, you throw him a party. You've never done that for me. And the father says something beautiful to him. He says, son, you are always with me. Now notice, he doesn't chastise him, he doesn't reprimand him, he doesn't kick him out because he's ungrateful or malicious to his brother. He says, son, you are always with me, and everything that I have is yours. But it's fitting that we celebrate your brother, he puts it back on his relationship, your brother, because he was dead and now he's alive. He was lost and now he's found. Now interestingly, we don't know what the elder boy does. We don't know if he goes back to the party, but I can tell you if he wanted assurance of his father's love, that's exactly what he needed to do. Now, his father never stopped loving him, but somehow the elder son forgot about it. And if he wanted to be reminded, the best way would have been to go back and celebrate over his younger brother, because then he would have been seeing how his father loved his brother no matter what. And that his father's love would also always be there for him. If you want to be confident of God's unconditional love, join in on the ways that he shows compassion in the world. In the months after the Minnesota State Wrestling Championship, Mitchell McKee saw his father continue to decline. He was fighting the cancer, but his health was fading And by December of last year, he could no longer leave the house. Wrestling season started up again, and Mitchell and his younger brother went to their first tournament. Each of them had won the first match of the tournament when their coach pulled them aside and and told them that their mother was coming to get them because their father's health had really declined and likely didn't have much longer to live. When they got to their home, Mitchell and his younger brother climbed into bed with their father, one on each side, and they slept beside him. And they lay beside him until the next day, and he passed away. Mitchell, you can imagine, was grief-stricken, and yet he was confident because he knew his father's love for him. He would return to wrestling just a few days later because he felt it connected him back to his dad and what his dad loved. And yet he said that he had a new outlook on winning. He said, winning is about the victory you find in the moments that matter. Now, Mitchell and his family are devout Christians, and he knows that his father is at peace in the presence of God. He knows that he will be reunited with him. But he was reflecting that his father's looking at his life, and he said that my father doesn't care so much how I do, but rather how I treat others. 
And so for Mitchell, the way he honors his father, the way he remembers his father is by the compassion he shows to others. If you want to find joy in life, join in on the ways that your heavenly father shows compassion in the world. And it will help you to be confident of God's unconditional love. It's in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let each of us lift up our own silent prayers.